Let us pray together. O God, our Good Shepherd, we pray now for a fresh anointing of our hearts with your Holy Spirit. Guide us into your paths of justice and righteousness, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Psalm 23 is surely one of the most precious passages the world around in the Bible. And I wonder, as Kate was reading this passage just now, where each of our minds and hearts went. Maybe to a mother's knee, to a Sunday school teacher, maybe to a place far away where we heard this passage whether we learned it for the first time or we heard it in some fresh new way. I know my mind goes all the way around the world to China, where this psalm, Psalm 23, is set to an ancient Chinese tune. And when the village women in rural China start to sing this hymn, there's no stopping them. It has a soulfulness that is really quite unmistakable. And then here at Chestnut, at East Chestnut, I've already shared this psalm with those who are sick, those who are discouraged, and those who are near death. It is truly a precious song and psalm in the life of our church. What's amazing is that all of this happens in just six Short verses. This isn't a 49-verse chapter. It's just six verses where we are shepherded through green pastures, beside still waters, through dark valleys. And we're going to talk about that one. And then back to the safety of home. And along the way, we hear the wonderful news about God's provision Guidance, protection, and salvation. Now what I want to do with us together this morning is to build on our recent work together of reading all of Scripture in the light of Jesus Christ. And so what I'd like to do is to read Psalm 23 together with you this morning in the light of Jesus. Because in the light of Jesus, because Jesus is our good shepherd. He is the one who tirelessly seeks after lost sheep. He is the one who knows each of us by name and who lays down his life on our behalf. So I invite you to open your Bible if you brought it along and to turn to Psalm 23 as we walk through this passage together. And let's start with the heading. A Psalm of David. Before he was anointed king, as we heard today in 1 Samuel 16, David was a shepherd. And many others 
in the Bible herd sheep as well. Abraham, Isaac, the daughters of Jethro, Moses, and Amos. And where was dear Rachel when she met her husband, Jacob? Bible quiz. Where was she? She was watering her flocks at the well. Now, I won't ask you where Leah was when she first met Jacob. If you don't know, you can check Genesis 29. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, notice that this psalm begins and then later ends with God. Here is the Bible's call to a God-centered life. For without God, we cannot know who we are. We can never imagine how much we are loved. And we cannot know how we are to live this life that we have been given. Without a shepherd, as the prophet Isaiah says, all we, like sheep, so easily wander astray. Now, the interesting thing is that in many African and Asian churches, this first verse is also read as a bold political declaration. The Lord is my shepherd, they declare, and not the cruel tyrant of our land. So while Psalm 23 may evoke green pastoral images for some of us, for them, it represents a radical pledge of allegiance to God alone. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Or as other translates it, translations put it, I have everything I need. I lack nothing. You see, in a consumer culture that's constantly encouraging us to want everything, is there a more radical message than verse 1? To be in relationship with God is already to have everything we need. In the shelter of God's care, we are freed to live generously rather than anxiously hoarding what we have because the Lord is our shepherd. God will provide. And this is then beautifully illustrated in verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Now I thought for the longest time that this verse was talking only about God's spiritual refreshment and renewal. And it is talking about this. But a decade ago, when we spent a whole month on the Greek island of Patmos, 
I realized that it's also important to read this verse like a sheep. Because every morning, Nicholas, Nicholas, the shepherd, would bring down his sheep to water them at the nearby well and then lead them up into the hills of Patmos for grazing. God keeps us alive with drink, still waters, and sustains us with food, green pastures. Verse 3, He leads me in right paths for His name's sake. For His name's sake simply means in keeping with God's character. And what is God's character? Well, in the Old Testament, the answer to this, as we've been talking about this past year, is a single Hebrew word. What is it? Chesed. As all we've already learned, chesed is found in Micah 6.8, our church's memory verse for 2014. We're called to do justice, to love chesed, and to walk humbly with our God. Chesed is also found in the last verse of our psalm today, translated as mercy in the NRSV and love in the NIV. But we really need to pile on a whole bunch of adjectives to catch its fuller and richer meaning, the richer sense of God's fulsome character, faithful, covenantal, merciful, and undying love, love that never gives up or quits on us. And of course, Jesus... In Jesus, God's chesed becomes flesh and dwells among us. Jesus is the one who is our good shepherd and leads us in paths of deepening love for God and our neighbors and ourselves. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Did you just hear the change of key? God is no longer referred to as the distant He, but now by the intimate and relational You. We always want to move from the faraway references to God to this intimate, direct encounter with God. You. Now notice that those who follow the Good Shepherd are never promised a life free of suffering or difficulty or danger. Our dark valleys will come in many and various forms, physical, emotional, relational, 
and spiritual. But notice what we are promised in this psalm. God will always be with us. That is the promise of Scripture. Not that our dark valleys will all be taken away from us, but that God will be with us in those valleys. And for this reason, it's become one of the most precious verses to me in all of Scripture. Telling us that God is not the way out of our dark valleys, but God is the way through them. There is no dark valley where God will not be faithfully and chesedly present with us. As Thomas Keating, a monk that I'll soon be visiting in Colorado, loves to say, all suffering is in God. I didn't say from. All suffering is in God. And what this means is that over time, this reality begins to teach us to approach our times of suffering with new eyes. As places where we just might be able to encounter God in some new way. Though we don't ever go looking for our dark valleys. And don't go looking for them. They will come. When they come, we begin to recognize them as opportunities to move deeper into God's embrace. Verse 5. You... Prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, I don't know about you, but I would just love for this verse to mean, Lord, you lavishly bless me, and in so doing, you humiliate my neighbors who are watching. Ever read it that way? Maybe I'm the only one. And this is almost certainly what David, slayer of the ten thousands, it's probably what he means. But remember, we are trying, seeking to read Scripture in the light of Jesus Christ. And can such a reading really be faithful to the God who is revealed to us in Jesus? The one who gave his life for us even while we were God's enemies. Romans 5. Who still actively seeks out those who are not yet in God's flock. Remember, There is nothing unchristlike in God. There is nothing unchristlike in God. 
And so this means that our reading of this psalm must shift. What if the table that God shepherds us to is actually the table of reconciliation with our neighbors, with our enemies? And dear friends, during this season of Lent, to what table of reconciliation might the Lord be shepherding you and me? You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. In our lives, don't our times of deepest, deepest joy come when we gather at the table with those who were once our enemies and have now become our friends? Isn't it at the table? And I often think that if Mennonites hadn't put a dove as our logo, it should have been a table. Isn't it at the communion table, the potluck table, our kitchen tables that we most profoundly experience God's healing and our cup overflowing with God's grace? Verse 6, Surely goodness and chesed shall follow me. The Hebrew actually says, pursue me. God's love pursuing, chasing after us all the days of our lives. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Wow. Beautiful. Until now, we may have thought that Psalm 23 was just about me and God. But in these last two verses, it's suddenly about God and all of us. And the healing and the reconciliation that we experience communally together in the house of the Lord. And how all of these blessings are a wonderful foretaste of what we will experience together with God forever and ever in all of eternity. Amen.